thankful for joy unspeakable, full of glory. Those that are listening online and notice that Dean often gets picked on, I just want to assure you that uh, it's well-deserved. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. I'm not sure when we started 1 John, but we're going to finish it tonight, Lord willing. I'm going to ignore the clock tonight, you all. Uh, I enjoyed your testimonies, but we're just going to we're just going to ignore the clock. Because you and I both know we're not getting out of here in 20 minutes. I, I guess the only exception to that is if uh, someone was praying for a miracle this morning after this morning's message. First John chapter 5 invites you to stand with me for the reading of God's word. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will... He heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. If any man see his brother sin, a sin which is not unto death, he shall ask and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There's a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin. And there is a sin not unto death. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, and he that is begotten of God keepeth himself, and, he that, uh, and that the wicked one toucheth him not. And we know that we are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And we know that the Son of God is come, and hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourself from idols. Amen. Father, as we've come to the end of this epistle of, of John we recognize that we have been privileged to walk with the one that you called beloved, the one who rested his head upon your chest as, they, as you two ate together. And Father, we just ask that the intimacy that John knew with you, that each one of us would experience that same intimacy with you. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen. You may be seated. Some of you are, I don't know how to say this, but when you pack, you pack the kitchen sink. I mean, you're going on a little trip for a long weekend, and uh, I mean, I don't know if you're afraid that there's going to be a tornado or if there's going to... The apocalypse is upon us, but I mean, you the luggage that you are bringing is just incredible. And there's others of you 
You can go on a weekend trip and you got a little bag and you're like, I'm good to go. It's amazing how God has made us all different, isn't it? I'm thankful for those that are prepared for anything. I just don't like loading the car for them. (laughs) Trying to fit it all in. But when I need it, when I want it, and it's packed, that's a great thing, isn't it? I want to ask you a question. And we've, I know that we have spent uh, our Sunday school lessons. I know they're on prayer for the, for the senior saints and the Sunday school class. And I know we spoke this morning on, on uh, needing a miracle. But I want to ask you, what do you pack for a trip to your prayer closet? What do you pack for a trip to your prayer closet? You know, I, I, think, uh, I think some of us, we're, we're doing good if we bring the little bag. <laughs> you know, we've got, got a couple of things. We've got our prayer list, and, and maybe we've got a few, we're armed with a few scriptures, a few promises, and, and uh, we go into the prayer closet, we close the door, and, and we hit our prayer list, we, we claim our promises, we say amen, and we're out. And others, your prayer closet's more like a prayer mansion. And you got everything you need in there. And Jimmy probably has a microwave with popcorn stacked up. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, when you go to your prayer closet, I mean, you've got it all. You've got all sorts of of blessings, all sorts of, uh, of things there. And, and you've got your, your uh, gratitude list, and you've got your, your prayer list, and you, you brought uh, uh, you know, your, your promises, and oh, you, you brought your... Uh, uh, and, and I mean, you just got all these things that you bring with you, and you come fully prepared. I think that's wonderful. But John gives us here... Some items that we need to pack when we go to our prayer closet. Some things to bring with us as we go to the place of prayer. The first thing that he says that we have to bring is confidence. Confidence. It doesn't do you any good to go in your prayer closet, close the door and say, well, I don't figure the Lord will come today, but I guess I'll pray. Lord, I know you're probably busy, and I know you don't really uh, have time for me, and I'm, I'm not really that important. Uh, I just, uh, I'm just here for prayer and uh, doing my duty, and so if you hear me, uh, could you meet my needs? See you, bye. Wow, isn't that exciting? Can you imagine if your child would come up to you, say, Dad, Mom, I know you probably won't, and I, I know the answer is probably no. And uh, if, it, uh, but but it, uh, I, I have this request, and and I don't mean to bother you, but uh, and and I know the answer is likely no. I, I I know that there's other things that are important right now that are on your mind, but and finally, you know what you're gonna say? You're gonna say, "Spit it out." I mean, come on now, spit out the request. What do you want? And I'll just be honest with you. If you start off that way with me, I'm already thinking no. (laughs) I mean, you start off that way with me, and I'm starting to think, you know what, you 
answer. You're asking me with the expectation of no, it probably means you have a good reason to not to expect what you're asking for. You probably know it goes against plans, it goes against our, uh, our rules, it, you know, it goes against uh, our, our, our uh, ethics, uh, those things that are important to us, our values. There's some reason that you're coming to me, telling me and prepping me that I'm already probably going to say no. But you know, so, sometimes it, the answer just might be yes. You just, man, you just wish they'd just spit it out. Now, maybe you never had a child like that. But I, I don't, uh, John's telling us here, let's not go to prayer with, with a willy-nilly kind of, oh, I don't know if God's going to do it or not. You know, we kind of get stuck in this. We get stuck here a lot. And we don't, we, don't do it, we don't do it maybe that way, but here's the way we do it. Lord, I'm not sure what your will is. I, I, I don't know, but, but I... Just ask. Just ask. John says this. If you're asking in his will, the answer is going to be yes. It's going to be yes. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong to say, uh, you know, in your name or in, your, uh, in accordance to your will, or, or it's not wrong to have that phrase in there. But what I'm saying is let's not get, use that as an excuse to have a lack of faith. And that's what it often comes down to, is we've got all these hedges. Some of you wouldn't know if God existed or not just by your answers to prayer. Because chance could do most of your answers. You know, Pat Robinson, bless his heart, help his head. He gets on their television program this week. There's all these news agencies on it. I don't know if you saw it or not. But he came out and he prayed against the hurricane. And it was not a prayer to God at all. I read the prayer. It was a prayer to the hurricane. And I mean, he's not going on in Jesus' name. You don't come here and you move off into the Atlantic. You do this and you do that. I don't, why are you talking to the hurricane? But you know what happened? And this was, and I love to read news articles where people are allowed, can comment. And this is what the atheist said. He says, Pat Robinson has his, has his bases covered. If it goes back out into the Atlantic, he gets to hail, uh, be hailed as, as his answer to prayer. But if it doesn't, he said that it's because you doubted. If his followers wouldn't doubt, it would happen. And you know what? They weren't wrong. They weren't wrong. And we do the same thing. We do the same thing. Oh, that God would help us to get to the place where we can pray and ask God for great things and know that it was God who moved in on the scene. And know that it was a miracle wrought by his hand. Now, I'm not trying to chide 
all right, let me, let me, just, let me just back up here. I'm not trying to be critical of, of Pat Robinson's prayer life and his prayer. I'm not trying to be critical of your prayers. I'm just wanting us to understand we don't have to go to the place of prayer hedging and worried about whether we are going with confidence or whether we're going with not sure. I want my children to be able to ask me with confidence that their dad loves them and is going to do what is best for them. And in, in the simple human wisdom that I have, I'm going to answer the best way that I know in for, for their good. For their good. I want them to have confidence when they come and ask me something. That even my no's are for their benefit. You know, I, we read the book of Esther. Mordecai says for Esther to go in and see the king, and it's like, he hasn't asked for me in a long time. And if I go in there, and he doesn't reach out his scepter, I die. Now talk about a great marriage. Wow! I suppose if I didn't talk or even look at my wife for 30 days, and she came and visited me, and she had the opportunity of being put to death. I mean, I tell you what, the romance is on fire. <laughs> she had to go pray and to fast, and she had the Jews pray and fast because she wasn't confident of what would happen when they crossed that threshold of the, of the throne room door. Had no idea what would happen. No confidence. Remember what Jacob said when he realized that he was in the presence of the Lord? He goes, I saw the Lord and I lived. Remember what Isaiah said when he found himself in the presence of the Lord? Woe is me, for I am undone. He says, I'm a dead man. Woe is me, I'm a dead man. Remember what Ezekiel did when he saw the Lord? He fell on his face. And he says the spirit had to enter him to, so that he could stand up when God told him to stand up. If we had any idea what the throne room was really like, I think that we'd be terrified to go into the place of prayer. And yet John says, now listen here, children. You have all the right to be there as the angels in heaven have. For you have been adopted. And you are a child of the king. And you have the right to burst through the doors of the throne room anytime you please to make your request known. Enter in with confidence. I didn't say belligerence. Don't go in there making demands. And that's the kind of prayers that make me really nervous. I'll just be honest. These people that start making all sorts of demands, it's like, what is this? Is this prayer or is this an ordering around session? But I'm talking about a relationship. Son to Father, we can have confidence that all is well between us and Him. The second thing that I... that 
I believe that John uh, would tell us that we need to pack uh, for our trip to our throne, uh, to, to our secret closet. Because we ought to bring compassion. Compassion. You see a brother that sinned, and you ought to go to the place of prayer about that. So long as it's not a sin unto death. And so, you know what? John doesn't tell us what a sin under death is, and the, tells us there's a sin that is under death and a sin that's not under death. And so, what is he talking about? John never reveals it. So when that happens, you go to the commentaries. Do they know what he's talking about? And isn't it wonderful to know the commentators don't agree? Let me give you a couple ideas that, they, that commentators have. The first idea is he's talking about sins that carried with it the death penalty. Those were adultery and, and uh, uh, you know, um, Sabbath breaking, and, and I don't remember what all the, the list were, was there, but they carried the death penalty with it. Those prayers we shouldn't pray Pray for them about. Well, you know, I, I had a little problem with that one. And I'll just be honest with you, I just had a little bit of problem with that because Jesus didn't condemn the woman caught in adultery. And that was a sin unto death. And so if John's telling us not to pray about it, it seems to me that, that it wouldn't be something that Jesus was willing to forgive. Other commentators think it's talking about uh, blaspheming of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I love what Adam Clark said in response to that. I don't think it's that. <laughs> Thanks, Adam Clark. Appreciate that. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure whether it's that or not. Others have suggested that perhaps it was a sin that carried with it judicial death penalty. So if, if in the court of, of, uh, uh, of earthly uh, judges that there would be a death penalty that would come, that perhaps after they have had the death penalty assigned them, that we should stop praying for them. I'll just be honest with you, I'm not too thrilled with that one either. We've heard of many who've gotten saved after they've been sentenced to death. And um, I appreciate that, that priests and pastors can go in and pray with somebody just before they're to be executed. I, I appreciate that about our, our legal system. And I, don't, I, I just have a hard time with that one. There's other ideas. You know... I really can't say what it is. But I have this, I have this suspicion. And I'm just going to be honest with you, this is, this is preaching according to my opinion, my study. You can take it or leave it. But it seems to me that what John is talking about, sins unto death are sins that we refuse to repent for.
seems that when we've become aware that they're in our lives, that we say, you know what? I know that God says no. I know that God has, God has said that we're not supposed to do this, and I'm going to do it anyways. I'm not repentant. I'm not sorry. I'm not addicted. I just am going to just do what I want to do. Now, I don't believe John is telling us to don't pray for a person like that. But I w- believe what John is trying to say to us is that when we pray for them, that it's a different kind of prayer. It's a prayer that God would bring them to themselves, not a, a prayer that they would be forgiven of those sins. You see what, uh, you see what I'm trying to say? There's, I, I, what my, and again, this is my take. But when a person says, I'm going to sin, I'm going to do what I want, it is needful that there be consequences in this life that can bring them to themselves. When the prodigal left home, dad didn't chase after him. Dad didn't keep paying for his rent. And dad didn't keep buying him food. And dad didn't keep, keep making sure that the prodigal didn't face consequences for his actions. And what I think, and again, this is, this is just my opinion, take it or leave it, but what I think John is saying here is this. When you have a person who has turned their back on God, do not pray that their consequences in this life are mitigated, but that they come to the place where those consequences will bring them to themselves and they'll go back to Father's house. Amen. I, I, that's my suspicion. I don't know. Adam Clark also offers the possibility that there was something in Jewish custom that we don't understand. So there's that. But the prayer, the ones that we're supposed to pray about, the sins that, that he's talking, that he says that we're supposed to be praying for, I believe it's the ones that we are caught in and that we don't even realize that we're committing them. Or maybe we realize it and we keep, and, and uh, the individual is trapped by either addiction or by a lack of knowledge or ability, and they keep falling in the same area over and over and over again. But they're truly sorry about it. They just don't know how to do different. And John would call us in the place of prayer to bring compassion. You know, when somebody wrongs us, it's hard, it can be hard to forgive them. And it can be hard to it can be hard to be compassionate when someone just keep, they just keep making the same dumb mistakes over and over and over again. And you say, how many times have you got to be told? How many times do you got to suffer consequences before you get it? I don't know if any of you had a strong-willed child. We have one. You'll never know. guess which one it is. <laughs> and sometimes I feel like saying, and sometimes I do, what does it take? What does it take? Uh, you've got a, you got a, sometimes you've got a thick skull, kiddo. In in the midst of of that frustration, there has to be compassion. There has to be uh, 
has to be a time when we get on our knees before God and say, God, help that one that keeps stumbling in this area. Or you know that, that individual, I don't know why they can't see it's wrong. They, they keep, it keeps getting them, them in trouble, and they, but they just don't seem to realize that they have this sin in their life. And I know we get into a little bit of a sticky place theologically. But I want you to know if you violate God's will, even unknowingly, there can be consequences. Even when you don't know that it's wrong, God's rules are in place for our benefit. And there can still be consequences. It doesn't mean that you lose out on your salvation if you do it in ignorance, but you can still suffer. Oh, that God would give us the heart of compassion when we go to the place of prayer for that one individual that just doesn't seem to get it. You know, it might be us. It might be us that someone else is going to the place of prayer and saying, you know, that pastor of ours, I don't know why he just doesn't get it. He's got a long way to go, and I know that. But it might be someone else that's bringing your name before the Lord and saying, God, they just aren't getting it. It seems like we talk about it in Sunday school, or we talk, or the preacher preaches on it, we sing songs about it, and they're just not getting it. And I don't know whether I should say something or if I should be, just be still and be quiet. I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but, but, but I'm going to just pray. Until I know to do something else, I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to be compassionate towards that one that keeps falling down. You know, that's a, one of the most important things when you're down is to know someone's in your corner. Know somebody's rooting for you. someone believes you're going to make it. Well, that God would help us to bring compassion with us to the place of prayer. John would tell us that we need to bring chastity with us to the place of prayer. Chastity we often think of as, as being pure sexually, but it's not just that. It's about just being pure in all things. We talked this morning about obedience. But it's allowing no sin in our life because sin keeps us from relationship. Sin keeps us from being able to have access to the throne room. It says, if we're of God, we will sin not. I'm not going to belabor this one partly because of time, but mostly because we talked about it this morning. Our obedience has got to be complete and full when we go to the place of prayer. Jesus said that if you, that if you go to the place of prayer and you know uh, you've missed, you've, uh, you've re you realize you've got odd against your brother. There's, you, you, you know, you're just a, just a little bit upset. 
with Rocky. We've picked on Dean enough. <laughs> I'm not sure if that part's true. I, I better take that back. But, but we'll pick on Rocky. You know, uh, that Rocky, he, I, just, I have something odd against him. I, you know, that Rocky, he did me dirty yesterday. And I go to the place of prayer, and I'm praying, and, and I go, and I'm thinking about Rocky, and I got a problem with Rocky in my heart. I'm supposed to go and find, I'm supposed to leave my sacrifice there. I'm supposed to leave the prayer closet, stop my prayers right then, and go and say to Rocky, call him up on the phone, go visit him, and say, Rocky, we've got a problem. And I can't pray until I get it solved between you and me. You did me dirty yesterday. When's the last time we've stopped our prayer time to just make sure everything was right between us and someone else? Husbands? Doesn't Peter tell us that the way we treat our wives hinder our prayers I find it interesting it's not in the Bible about our wives the way they treat us I'll have to have a chat with Peter later, uh, when we get up, get up to heaven find out what that is all about might be they might treat us a little better if we treat them a little better might start with us I'm not sure are we coming to the prayer closet with chastity? That we've been pure from the last time we were in our prayer closet till this time? That we've lived a pure and holy life from, from that time till this? Oh, that God would give us a heart of purity and, and a life of purity where we would not allow sin in our lives and to touch us. Finally, I would suggest that John ends this book. It's kind of a strange way to end it, isn't it? I mean, he doesn't say goodbye. He doesn't say, I love you all. He says, if you're gonna go, when you go to your prayer closet, bring commitment. Are you committed to one God? You know, uh, I love that song, um, Oh, now it's going to slip my mind, but the second verse is, uh, Here I raise my Ebenezer. Come thou fount. But you know that in some places, the third verse says, it's not in our hymn book this way, or I'd have a fit. It says, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Wander from the one I love. Really? Alex? Can you imagine you get home tonight? It's just you and Lorinda. You're about ready to go to. You're in bed. You're laying there in bed. You're gonna. You're gonna go to sleep. And he said to her, "Honey, prone to wander. Honey, I feel it. Wander from the one I love. There's some pretty hot-looking girls over there where I work, and I'm just feeling the tug. I have a feeling you're gonna get an elbow." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just have this suspicion she's not going to appreciate it. 
Fellas, I'm going to make a, a, a recommendation. Don't tell your wives that. And if you do feel the prone to wander, you better come have a chat with us. We've got to get th some things taken care of, and, and it's going to take some prayer. It's going to take some, it's going to take some work. I pray that, I pray, I truly pray that, that none of us ever act on, on that. It's a dangerous thing. But how could we, as, as how could, and there's churches all over our, our country, perhaps around the world, that sing, come thou fount, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, wander from the one I love. And that's a worship song. I'm sure the Lord says, Woohoo! That's just what I wanted to hear this Sunday morning. John says, don't have any idols in your life. Do you know what an idol is? It's plan B. Plan B. You know, when I got married, I... I didn't say to myself, you know, if this doesn't work out, you know, there's some other girls that, 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 work out, that, I, that I'd like to see if that won't work with our marriage. No, you don't have those kind of thoughts. You're in trouble if you're having those kind of thoughts. You don't sit around thinking about, man, if, man, if I could just get loose from this marriage contract, there, there's, there's some other girl, man. As soon as you start down that kind of thinking, you are in trouble. Because what's in your heart will soon come out. You're not supposed to go to your prayer closet saying, you know, I'm going to pray and ask God if you'll, you know, I'm going I'm to ask for a healing. Father, I need you to heal me. I really wouldn't need the help. All right, now I'm going to go over to, to Baal and I'm going to ask him, Baal, here's a sacrifice. He, I, I, come and heal me. You, you know, you might, if, if you're going to pray to one God, you might as well pray to them all, right? God says, you know, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. If you're going to worship me, there's no plan B gods. There's no plan B gods. You're not going to pray to me and go pray to another god too. Now you and I, we don't have problems with the false gods like that. We, do, we don't worship gods of stone and wood and, and gold and all these, all these things. That's not our problem. You know what we have a problem with? Where our affections are. Where our affections are. Oh, I don't want to belabor this. I want to be careful. Because, you know, we can, get, we can get tripped up here. But an idol's anything that we love more than we love God. But, you know, I think even that definition isn't quite good enough. I think an idol is something, I think it's if there's a, something in second place at all. I think that our next love after God should be seven, eight, nine down the list. What I'm trying to say is there should be a vast gulf between our love for God and our love for whatever's number two. I might recommend it be your spouse if you're married. But there should be a vast gulf. 
In fact, Jesus used a strong terminology. He says, he that doesn't hate his father or mother is not worthy of me. He's saying those affections of this world. He's not saying that, you, that he wants you to hate your parents or hate your spouse or hate your kids. He's saying that you've got to love God so much more that what's in second place is so distant, it's hardly even worth mentioning. When I talk about the things that you love, you say, I love the Lord with all my heart. There's other things that I love too, but, but compared to my love for him, this nothing else holds a candle. He has first place in my heart. So when you go to your prayer closet, whether it's tonight or tomorrow, and you bring your, you pack your things to go, whether it's a prayer list or a promise list, might I suggest that you pack the things that John recommends. That we'd pack our confidence in the one that we're praying to. That we would pack our compassion for those around us who maybe don't know what we know or are stumbling or struggling along in the way. May we pack chastity. May we pack uh, our purity. May we be able to go before the Lord knowing that our sins are all forgiven and there's nothing that stands between us and Him. And may we bring a commitment that there's nothing else that we love anywhere near to the love that we have for Him. And if we'll bring those things along with our prayer list and our praise list and our promise list, I believe that God will help us and that He'll answer our prayers in accordance to His will. Let's stand together.